welcome to Creekside Church. A couple of really exciting things happening. Uh, this, a week from today on Sunday, the African Children's Choir will be here. And that is going to be a real treat. Uh, it would be a great thing to invite friends and neighbors to. Uh, I think everyone who is here will be greatly blessed by that. And then just something to have on your radar, have on your calendar, that we will again have a July 4th uh, picnic and viewing of the fireworks here at church. And that is just a great time to get together. Uh, we'll have more information coming up, but I'm sure we'll have supper and games and uh, just a great time to have fellowship and celebrate uh, together here. So if you've never been here before, you, it's uh, a great view of the fireworks. We sit out here on the lawn and we can see the Urbandale fireworks really well. So that's uh, just a great, a great event. So let's continue with our singing. from Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews 2.14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Uh, we're about to uh, go into a time of communion, a time to remember what Jesus has done for us. We take the bread as a reminder that his body was broken for us and the cup that his blood was shed. Uh, but this verse, Hebrews 2.14, you know, tells us why. Why did Jesus have to become a man? Well, it's because we're human, because we have flesh and we have blood. He had to also come and take a body that was flesh and blood so that he could share in our humanity. And now his death has destroyed him who holds the power of death. Uh, it's just... A reminder that this Jesus that we serve, he can sympathize with what we go through. He knows what it's like uh, to live in a body of frailty. He knows what it's like to experience loss and pain and sickness. And he did that for us so that we might become cleansed, so that we might be forgiven. And if you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, we invite you to do that this morning to know that he is the one who paid the price for your sins and that by simple belief in him, uh, you can be forgiven. I'm going to give thanks for the, the bread and the cup. Um, and we have uh, a couple uh, that are going to sing a song for us as we go into that time. Uh, this was originally supposed to be for Father's Day. Tom had this idea that he would love to sing a song with Amy for Father's Day. And since we have the African Children's Choir here next week, uh, we're doing it a week early, but... Um, We'll look forward to that. So let's, uh, let's give thanks. Father, we thank you for Jesus, our Savior. His body was broken. His blood was shed for us. And now as we go to a time to remember you, uh, may you just fill our, our thoughts with reminders of Jesus. May you fill our hearts with gratitude and with thankfulness as we remember what he has done for us. Father, may it change us. May we not leave today unaware of the great gift you've given us. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray.
to uh, welcome up here Matt Deaver. Come on up, Matt. Uh, for those of you that do not know Matt, he uh, was a member here years ago in high school. In fact, uh, that's where he came to know the Lord. And now him and his wife Trista are ministering in Nepal. And uh, he's going to share just uh, a little bit about uh, what he has going on there and some thoughts from the Word. And we look forward to having him join us. So thanks, Matt. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, it's a great joy and privilege to be gathered with you this morning uh, to worship the Lord. Um, as Alan mentioned, um, I, I became a Christian during high school, and that was through the youth group and relationships through what was uh, Cornerstone Community Church at that time. And so many of, many of the faces here are very familiar and very precious to me. Um, and, you know, as we, uh, my wife and I and our two children, 
prepared to move uh, to Nepal to serve the Lord there, we, um, we actually were approached by Creekside Church, and they were very eager, you were very eager to partner with us in sending us. And so this morning, I just want to share uh, some of the ways that we've seen God at work in Nepal. And, and I want to highlight some of the ways that God has used you and your support and your prayers uh, to see God's kingdom and gospel advance in that country. Um, so, yeah, the first thing I want to say is just thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for remembering us. Thank you for praying for us. Um, many of you sent us emails, and, and just I know you were lifting us up, and because of that, God was, God was with us and uh, helped us in our time there. Well, this morning I want us to, to look at a passage from the book of Romans, from Romans chapter 12. And I, I want us to look at this passage, and, and I'll be sharing some stories from Romans 12 about the ways we've seen God at work in Nepal. But I also want to encourage you uh, from the Word of God this morning. Now, when we get to the, the book of Romans and in chapter 12, it's important for us to remember or to, to understand where we're at in the, in the book of Romans, right? Chapter 12 is not the beginning of the book, but there are 11 chapters that have come before this. And so, uh, in chapter 12, these are not the entry requirements into the Christian life. Okay, these, these are not the entry requirements, but rather the responsibilities for those that have become a part of God's people through faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1 through 11, he lays out perhaps the most robust and systematic presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he spends several chapters explaining how all of us are under sin that we're born with hearts bent towards sin and that we need the righteousness that only God can provide through Jesus Christ. And, and, and Paul goes on to explain and expound the, the beauty of that gospel that though we were dead in sin, God has made us alive through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's through that gift of righteousness, it's through that free gift of grace through faith in Jesus that we become a part of God's people, that, that we become Christians. And, and by the time you get to Romans chapter 12, Paul kind of turns a corner from explaining what is the gospel, and he begins to showing how we're to apply the gospel in our daily lives, how we're to live out our faith in, in every aspect. What are the responsibilities of the Christian life? And what we're going to see in Romans chapter 12 is that our response to God's mercy is to live a sacrificial life that is marked by love. To live a sacrificial life marked by love. So it, it, we wanna, I, wanna, I wanna focus particularly on Romans 12, 9 through 16. And in these eight short verses, there are actually 21 exhortations of now that you're a Christian, be this, do this, live this way. So it's, this, it's maybe the most compact passage in all of Scripture full of these commands of what a Christian life should look like. 
And, and we don't have time this morning to look at every one of these, right? Uh, so what I want to do is, is think of these as if each one is a portrait, okay? So if, you, if we went to an art gallery and, and we were to walk down a hall and there were 21 portraits on the wall, any good art critic would tell you not to just walk quickly through there, you know, and, and run by and think, okay, that was a good time. But you're going to have to slow down, take your time, and, and examine each portrait and look at the depth and the texture and all that's there. And, and so that's what I want us to do this morning is to just look at four portraits of genuine Christian love. And, and as we examine these in the passage, I want you to ask the Lord, is that me? Does my life look like that? So let's go ahead and read Romans chapter 12. I want to read verses 1 all the way through 16. So it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we Though many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let, them use, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness." And now here's the verses we're going to focus on this morning. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Let's pray one more time. Our Father, we come before you this morning and we give you thanks for the great mercy of Jesus Christ that we have experienced in the gospel. Lord, thank you that um, you have washed us, you have cleansed us from all sin, all unrighteousness, and now we stand before you holy and blameless in your love. Lord, we pray this morning that as we look at your word, your spirit would open our hearts and our minds to better understand it. We pray that you would change us, conform us, transform us into the image of Jesus so that we're more like him. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, one of the things about uh, living in Nepal is they say that there are more temples than there are people. And so if you put that, that, go ahead and put that first slide up there. Here's a picture of one of the main temple areas in Kathmandu, the city we live in. And inside those temples uh, are idols. And so the next picture gives a, a picture of what some of those idols look like. These are statues of gold and wood and silver that men and women have fashioned. And they come and they worship on a regular daily basis. And um, another thing that's really interesting about living overseas, we've been overseas for a, year, a little over a year and a half, and when you're there, you begin to reflect on what are the idols in your own country. So when I, when I wake up in Nepal and I have my devotions, I can look out my window, I can see my neighbors offering incense and food to the idols, and it got me thinking, what are the idols we have in our own country? Um, one, one of the most obvious ones, maybe, that um, I know I hadn't thought about is, is the television show American Idol. So it, it's kind of blatant, right? American Idol. So um, we just, we say it clearly and promote that. And really, what is at the heart of that is this me-centered kind of promotion of self. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with uh, singing and using your talents, but, but really, the, the heartbeat, the drive of so much in our culture is to want to be in the spotlight, is to want to be center stage, and to be noticed, to be taken uh, account of so that people see us in all of our splendor. Uh, we see this in things like Facebook, where, where we, people are posting posts constantly and, and checking how many shares, how many likes did we get, or, or maybe, you know, the clearest way we see this is in the, the selfie and the selfie sticks. And I have to make sure I get a picture of myself in this place with these people. And I have to make sure everyone knows about it so they can, you know, share in that joy with me. Um, and the reality is, is that we live in a very me-centered, a self-focused culture. Now, we know that, that this reality is not just uh, something that exists in American culture. This goes all the way back to the garden where, where we've turned from God and turned inward. And Paul, again in Romans, he spends three chapters showing how this downward spiral has happened as we've turned from God and we've made images to worship and, and we've worshiped ourselves instead of God. All of us are self-focused and hardwired that way by nature. But what we see in this passage is that the mercies of God radically reorient our hearts to be others-focused, to not be focused on ourselves, but to be focused on others and, and loving and serving them. So the first portrait I want us to look at is a portrait of love, a portrait of love. So look at verse 9 with me. It says, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Now, this idea of love being genuine really means to, that love should be without hypocrisy. It, it means that we shouldn't wear a mask in one setting, and, and when we're there, we say, you know, this is what I think, this is what I'm saying, but then when we're in another place, we take that mask off, and who we really are comes out. You know, maybe you've uh, volunteered to 
uh, watch somebody's kids or help them move on a weekend. And, and while you're there, they're saying, thank you. This is so helpful. And you, you, with a big smile, you say, yes, no problem. It, it was no uh, trouble at all. But then you go and get in the car and maybe to your wife or in your own heart, you kind of grumble and think, I would have really liked to have been golfing this morning or something else like that. This is the idea here that, that love should be without hypocrisy, that when we're there, when we're with somebody doing something, we're all in, and, and, and our hearts are without hypocrisy. Notice also in verse 9 that this love is a convictional love. It, it's not a love uh, that's just based on sentiment or the way our culture defines love. Our, our culture often defines love as uh, letting people do whatever they want, in whatever way they want, with whatever consequences it might have, and I'm not going to say anything that would impinge on that, that would uh, look down upon that, or, or maybe question that. That's how we define love, but biblical love is a convictional love. It's a love that's rooted in the goodness and glory of who God is, that there is good and evil in the world, and that we want to see people loved and cared for in a way that it leads them to a place of life and peace and joy, and to warn them don't go down a path that leads to harm and destruction. So biblical love is genuine, and it's convictional. And in verse 10, we see that it's also affectionate. Look at verse 10. It says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection. This, this idea of brotherly affection, it really has the idea of a familial affection, uh, of a family-oriented kind of love. So uh, I know for me, I have a, a very close relationship with my family. Uh, we've spent much time since we've come back from Nepal together, and whether it's you know, roller skating on the weekend or going to birthday parties, there's, there's, there's a sense of whatever is happening, we're going to be there. We're going to be a part of it. If there's a problem, if there's a need, we want to help out. We're family. We're bound together. And, and the body of Christ is a family, right? The body of Christ is not bound together by, uh, is not bound together by physical blood, but through the blood of Christ. And, and we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We become sons and daughters of God. And so we're to have this familial, this family, uh, this familial love with one another. One way of, of seeing how that can be fleshed out, if you look down in verse 15, in verse 15 it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, okay? So this kind of, this family affection love overflows as we weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who, who rejoice. Um, one of the things that happened for us when we went to Nepal, I think it's the next slide up there, uh, was India had put a blockade on the country of Nepal, and so at the time we went, there were no uh, cooking supplies, food, or uh, supplies coming into the country. It was, it was a very difficult time. The, the U.S. Embassy sent us a message right before we came and said, don't come, this is a crisis situation. But the Lord, uh, he led us to go ahead and go. 
but it came with great difficulty. There were many dark days early on. There were many tears, and especially for my wife as she was trying to adjust to this new life, there were many days of weeping. And one of the most precious gifts God gave us was, was a Nepali sister named Srijana. And her English wasn't very good. She, she was my wife's language tutor. Her English wasn't very good. And my wife's Nepali was just getting started. So you can imagine the difficulty in communicating. But as my wife would try and share her burden, often the only way she could do that was with tears. And, and this sister would, um, she would just weep with her. She would, she would join in and, and bear her burden with tears. And, you know, those tears spoke more comfort than a thousand words ever could have. And um, this is how we're called to love one another, with, with an affectionate love, with a familial love, with a genuine love where we care for one another. When we present ourselves to God, we're free to forget ourselves and enter into the joys and sufferings of others and, and to weep with one another, to rejoice with one another. Notice too that this love, it's a, it's a costly love. Look in verse 10 again. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. Th there's this idea that we're going to one up. We're going we're gonna to go above and beyond. And at a cost to our own comfort, at a cost to our own convenience, we're going to reach out and serve others around us. It's not just a convenient love that, that happens to be uh, fitting in with our schedule, but it's a love where we deny ourselves and we think of others. And so another example of this, when we went into the country and it was under this crisis situation, we didn't know where we were going to get cooking gas. We didn't know how we were going to be able to cook food. Uh, by the end of the blockade, all of our neighbors were cooking their meals in the street over open fires. And, and so this was a great uh, challenge for us. But one of the Nepali pastors we knew, he gave us one of his own personal tanks of cooking gas. And, and really, at the time, this was like giving us a bar of gold in the Great Depression. I mean, you could not buy cooking gas. It wasn't available. And at a great cost to himself, his own family, his own flock, he gave up his own gas to show us the love and care and comfort of Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, what, what ways are you caring for one another here at Creekside Church? As you're a family and, and you go through challenges, what ways are you stopping in to people's homes and meeting needs without any expectation of return? At, at not just when it's convenient, but when it costs you your time and your comfort. Our response to God's mercy is to live sacrificial lives that are marked by love for one another. Well, the second, second portrait I want, I want us to look at this morning is one of zeal. So if you look there in verse 11... It says, uh, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Now this idea of being slothful in zeal, really we could just say, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy in serving the Lord, but be eager, be willing, be ready to serve the Lord when opportunities, when you see needs, be the one to jump in and to help. 
to be fervent in spirit is really this idea of, of our hearts boiling up over and overflowing, spilling the sides. So if you've ever made macaroni uh, for children, there seems to be this inevitable law in the universe that no matter what you do, that pot of water is going to boil over and spill everywhere. And uh, this is the idea that all of us who have been touched and transformed by the gospel, our hearts should be boiling up over, spilling out, zealous in our service to the Lord. And the only way we can do that is if we keep our hearts near to the gospel, as if we recite and remember the glorious realities of the gospel laid out in Romans 1 through 11. And as we keep our hearts on the white, hot, blazing glory of that glorious reality, our lives will overflow with service to Jesus. When I think about being zealous for the Lord, I think about a brother named Pastor Ram. One of the great privileges I have in Nepal is I get to travel to remote areas and do uh, leadership training. And so the next picture shows one of the groups that, that I was able to do that with. On the next slide, you'll see a pastor, a picture, uh, Pastor Ram. And Pastor Ram, as you can see in the picture, he's, he's missing most of his fingers. Uh, what you can't see is he's missing most of his feet as well. When he was younger, he had leprosy, and so he lost much of his body. He has many uh, physical, internal problems as well. But it was through this illness that he came to faith in Christ. He went to a leprosy hospital run by Christians there, and, and he came to know Christ. And uh, he has had these specially made shoes that fit on his feet so that he can, he can get around. You can tell for him everything is still extremely difficult, uh, but he is so zealous for the Lord that uh, he's been traveling to these remote hilly regions, okay, that, that require hiking and walking, even though it's incredibly challenging for him. And, and I just think of him and his heart boil, boiling up over to go to these areas to pray for people, to, 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 to tell them about the love of Jesus. And, and God has actually used him, even though he's crippled and disabled, God has used him to bring healing to many people. Oftentimes when he prays, people will be healed. And so through this, in the last six years, he has seen 17 churches planted in these remote villages around Nepal. But service is, and zealous service is not just planting churches, right? When I just want to highlight one more example. When I think about someone being zealous for the Lord... I think about someone here in your own midst. I think about uh, Norb Metzler. And, and if any of you know him, you just know that Norb is always overflowing with a zeal for the Lord. That, that if he can talk with somebody about Jesus while he's working or, or he can pray with somebody, he's always zealous for the Lord. He's been a great example in my own life of what it looks like to be zealous for Christ. The third portrait I want to consider is one of generosity. One of generosity. So if you look in verse 13, it says, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now one of the great challenges we face in, in a country like Nepal is that the physical material needs are, are overwhelming. There's constant uh, challenges and opportunities on just a practical, physical level, 
uh, whether it's paying for school or health needs, uh, the, the country's very poor all, overall. But we've seen the, the Nepali church show a generosity and an overflowing, an open-handedness with their money in a way that has just really challenged our own hearts. They're eager to give to those in need. They, they often have a mindset of their family, and so if they hear about a need, of course I'm going to meet it. I may not know where my next meal is going to come from, but this is my brother and sister in Christ, and I need to give and help them. Another way that we've seen the generosity of Christ is through Creekside Church. Again, as I mentioned, as you have supported us financially, and last year we were able, through a, a large gift given by this congregation, we were able to give out over 100 water filters to 100 families in Nepal. So I think the next picture shows this outreach we did. We had a team come over, and we were able to invite 100 people from the community and come and teach them about women's health and hygiene, about clean water, and share about the living water and hope of Jesus Christ. And that was a result of your generosity. That was because you were overflowing in the love of Christ to meet these needs. Uh, out of this short-term opportunity, uh, a, a longer-term women's health ministry has been started. So on the next slide, you'll see a picture of one of our sisters, uh, Rebecca, who is continuing now to go into remote areas and train women about basic health and hygiene so that they can have better uh, lives and, and experience the love of Christ. So, yeah, we've seen God's generosity through you in that way. Look, also, look, look again at verse 13. It says, uh, not only are we to contribute to the needs of the saints, but we're to seek to show hospitality. To seek to show hospitality. One of my favorite verses on hospitality comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. And listen to this. This is, this is stunning. It says, the end of all things is at hand. All right? The end's coming. Therefore... Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers over a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So, so I've heard one pastor point out in this passage, you see Peter saying, the end of the world is going to come. So break out the crock pot, right? Set the table. Open up your home. Fill your life with people that you can love and share with. This is the, the radical reality of the Christian life. One of the ways we've seen this is, is through our, a dear sister that God has brought into our life. So on the next slide, you can see um, the woman in the red dress there. She, she came to help our family about a year ago. God sent this woman into our lives. She was going through a really difficult situation. Her husband of many years uh, left her and her daughter for another woman, and, and he took everything. He cleaned out the bank account. He, he took all of their things, and so she was left completely alone, and, and she needed a job. And so at that time, we had an opportunity to hire her to help us, and really God has made her like our Nepali mother. She, she is 
loved us. She's cared for us. And we've learned much from her. Uh, we've seen God take her from this place of despair and brokenness and restore her to this place of joy and, and comfort in Christ. And out of that is flowing generosity. So she lives in just a one-room bedroom with her two daughters, uh, very common setup in Nepal. The, the room is maybe the size of one of the Sunday school rooms, no running water, uh, no refrigerator, just a couple of beds, a few pots and pans. But as, as she has been transformed by the love of Christ, she's been opening her home up to others. So recently one young girl came to faith in Christ, and because of that her family has rejected her. She's no longer allowed to live there. They don't consider her a daughter. This is very common practice in Nepal when you become a Christian to experience this kind of persecution and, and social rejection. And so our sister has opened her home. And so, yeah, in the picture you see, uh, she's opened it to her and then another sister who was in a very abusive situation. So we have been greatly challenged by her hospitality that in her poverty, she's opening her home. She's loving these uh, women. She's cooking and caring for them as Christ has cared for her. Well, real quickly, let's look at one last portrait. And we might call this one humility. If you look down in verse 16, it says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So we're called, we're called as Christians to live in harmony with one another. And really, we see in this passage that the, the disunity or disharmony comes from pride, comes from haughtiness. It comes from a sense of self-importance that we think more highly of ourselves rather than preferring one another. Humble people recognize that we are all in the same boat together. We've been purchased by the blood of Christ. We've been made brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers in the gospel. And so we can associate with one another, though we're very different, right? One of the things that's beautiful to see in Nepal is that there is a, the remnants of a caste system that's existed from the Hindu religion. And the caste system says that some people are inherently born better than others. Some people are inherently closer to God than other people in, in the life of reincarnation. And, and many people, especially those at the top, they want to hold on to this system. You know, there is power, there's prestige that comes with it. Even though it's been banned, it's still very much practiced in day-to-day -day life. And one of the most beautiful things is to, to see in the church the way that this caste system is being broken down. That you go into a church building and there's someone from the highest caste and the lowest caste gathered together in unity singing worship to the God who's rescued both of them. And, and you know, it's just glorious to see the way the gospel breaks down these boundaries. Well, we don't have a, a uh, caste system per se in America, but we do have boundaries, don't we? Whether it's uh, different personalities, different color of skin, whatever it might be, there are tendencies in our heart to create boundaries. But as we see this morning, the gospel demolishes those boundaries and calls us to have humility and unity with one another. The world cries out for the desires of our me-centered flesh. 
But the mercies of God are calling us to radically reorient our lives, to live lives of sacrificial love for one another that are marked by zeal, generosity, and humility. You know, in our, in our churches in America, we're often trained to think of sacrifice. When we think about great sacrifice, we think about missionaries or we think about martyrs, right? And, and this isn't necessarily wrong. Uh, we, we should look to those things and be encouraged and be challenged. And we should give and go and pray and seek to bring this glorious gospel to the ends of the earth. But when the Apostle Paul... Uh, he, he tells us in Romans 12, 1 and 2, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. He doesn't go on to say, so be a missionary. Become a martyr. Instead, he says, use your gifts. Love one another with a genuine love. Honor one another. In our celebrity culture, there's a temptation to think that missionaries or martyrs is, is the only way to live a sacrificial life. But what we see in this passage is that really the apex, the, the height of Christian living is to love one another with the love of Christ. So whether you are in a hut in the Himalayas or a break room in the office or you're home with children as a mother or you're jobless or childless, this is what God has called us to in view of his great mercy in the gospel. Many, many people, as we, we travel and we share about what God's doing, they've said to us, I could never do what you're doing. I could never do it. But when you stand before the Lord, he will not likely ask you, why weren't you a missionary? Why didn't you go overseas? Unless God's calling you to do that, then you should go, you should do that. But he will ask you whether you loved your brothers and sisters from the heart, whether you met the needs of the saints, whether you opened up your home and had people at your table. And it will include how you prayed and sent and gave and supported those advancing the gospel where it's not yet gone. But it will also include those 10,000 actions that make up our seemingly ordinary day-to-day -day lives. Listen to what Fred Craddock said about living out this radical love in the ordinary. He says, to give my life for Christ appears glorious, to pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom. I will do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in the $1,000 for quarters. We go through life putting out 25 cents here, 50 cents here, listening to the neighbor kid's troubles instead of saying get lost, going to a committee meeting, giving a cup of cold water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our lives to Christ is not glorious. It is done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easier to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. Or as another author uh, that I, I love put it, he says, it's easy to do a great thing for God so long as greatness does not require interior humility, practical love for the people right in front of us, 
or submission to the presence of Jesus in the place we already are. If we don't live sacrificial lives of love in our ordinary daily lives, and we've not yet rightly responded to the great mercy that Christ has shown us in the gospel, giving ourselves fully to God first, then to our spouses, our, our families, our neighborhood, our brothers and sisters, this is the way that God will transform the world. This is the radical nature of true Christian love. Loving one another in the ordinary. Living as the family that God has made us through the blood of Christ. And when we do that, people will see the light of Jesus. When we see people doing this in Nepal, the light of Jesus shines brightly against the darkness that exists there. People will see a transformed community that, don't, that doesn't mirror the world, but stands in distinction to it. A community that's not set on being the ones in the spotlight or getting the most shares or likes or pursuing our own happiness at any cost, but a community of rescued people who deny themselves, who die daily and prefer one another, intentionally becoming less so that Christ can become more. And this is a high calling. This is a supernatural calling. When we look at these portraits and we put our own portrait next to them, uh, I know for me it's easy to find out I fall short of this reality. And you fall short of this. You do not look like this yet. But God is committed to conforming each one of his children into the image of Jesus and he will accomplish that by the power of his spirit. When we see ourselves falling short of this calling, we're cast back again on the glorious mercy laid out through Romans 1 through 11. That, that we fall short, but that Christ has come to rescue us. It's not through our own performance or, or abilities, but it's through the great work of Jesus that we can draw near to God. We're reminded of a Savior Savior and his mercy for us. That, that we were dead in sin. We deserved his righteous judgment. But God has laid down his life for us. He, he's the greatest picture of this, right? He, he left the glories of heaven. He lived a life on this earth of, of self-giving and, and others loving. And he laid down his life unto death for us. And now he calls us through this forgiveness, this redemption, and by his spirit to lay down our lives for others. In view of God's mercy this week, may we live sacrificial lives of, of love and worship to the glory of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, uh, we come before you, and Lord, we, we recognize that uh, we, we don't fully meet these pictures yet. Lord, we don't completely in every area of our life live out the truth of this gospel uh, the way that you have, but Lord, we want to. We want to follow you. We want to be transformed and become more and more like you. Jesus, we worship you that you have 
loved us unto death, that you have shed your blood for us so that we can be made right with God. Thank you for the hope of the gospel. Thank you for the new life you've given us in your spirit that enables us to live these kind of lives. Lord, we worship you today, uh, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, Matt. That's a, just a great encouragement. Matt has uh, prayer cards in the back at the table there. Uh, if you want to pick one up on your way out as a helpful reminder and uh, to, to lift them up in prayer. And I'm sure that if you have other questions and stuff, he'd, he'd be happy to uh, answer those for you after the meeting. We're going to sing one more song together. Let's go ahead and stand up. The offering's going to be passed around during that time. And uh, let's close our time out together. Uh...